Hey, Allison, in today's show, we're going to be talking about men and women and their biggest sexual fears. Welcome to the Love and Sex Podcast. We're your hosts, Allison and Jess Scott. You can listen to us on your favorite podcast platform, Coast to Coast, and around the world as we talk about sex and relationships. No topic is out of bounds, and along the way, we're going to share our own experiences, failures, and successes to help you live your best life. You're listening to the Love and Sex Podcast, and you're here with Allison and Jeff, as always. Welcome, everyone, to the show, and of course, Allison, I want to welcome you. Thanks, Jeff. Welcome, everyone. Before we jump in, head down to the show notes. Join the private Facebook group for the Love and Sex Podcast. Head over to Amazon to pick up your book, The Seven Principles for Making Marriage or Any Relationship Work. Improve your communication with your partner immediately by reading this book. And head over to Pink Cherry where you can pick up some fun items for the bedrooms. A whole lot of sex toys over there that you can either use for yourself or with your partner. Explore, have some fun and make your sex even better than it already is. Speaking of sex, Allison, right? We're going to talk about men and women today and their biggest sexual fears. And we all know that, right? We have sex with our partners, right? Or whatever, for pleasure and connection, right? It really can enhance the emotional and physical connection that we have with our partner. And so it's supposed to be this very positive thing. But the truth of the matter is, for a lot of people, Stress can be, or I should not stress, but sex can be very stressful, something that really puts a lot of anxiety into their life, and that can be really troubling. Yeah, and I think it's more normal than than people think it is. You know, everyone has their fears. All of us are human. There are things that we uh, love about ourselves and things that we don't love about ourselves. So I think this is very interesting information and just kind of shows everyone that they're not alone. Yeah, I think a lot of times we do feel like we're kind of out on our own little island when we start talking about like our sexual fears because we, I don't know, for one reason or another, we think that we're the only person that exists that has these fears. But the truth of the matter is that's, that just isn't true. And we looked at a really interesting survey done by OnlineDoctor.com where they surveyed men and women, which totaled two thousand people and it came up with the top 10 fears for each gender so we thought we would kind of share and talk about those today with everyone because again this might make you realize that you're not alone with your fears and you know what's interesting is this has actually happened to us personally is that the things that we fear about ourselves basically are non-existent for the other person like it's not even something that crosses their mind, right? Like something that's a huge fear of mine related to my physical appearance, right? Is not even something that crosses your mind. Like you're not even like for a second thinking, oh, I wish that her physical appearance was different because our sex would be better. It's just so interesting how we do this to ourselves. It is. That's so true. We can, we can really spend so much time and more importantly, waste so much time Worrying about things that don't exist in our partner's mind, right? And think about that for a second, about 
how many times you're having sex with your partner. And we're talking, obviously we're talking about relationships right now, right? We're not talking about the casual fling, the casual encounter. We're talking about uh, a more serious relationship in which you meet someone and, and you're going along and you're doing the dating thing and it's becoming more serious. And a lot of people, I think pretty much everyone for that matter has on, on some level, some degree has some sort of insecurity about themselves, something they don't like about themselves Right. Oh, my. uh, I don't like the way my arms look. I don't like the way my legs look, whatever the case may be, whatever it is. But we spend so much time and and energy worrying about things like you said, Allison, that aren't even on our partner's radar. Right. (laughs) And we torture ourselves. Torture ourselves is a perfect word. Yeah. Nonsense. And 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 even people who appear to be completely confident or people that would to any person, you know, viewing them appear extremely attractive, confident, positive. Yeah, there's it's happening to them too. It's everyone. It's very it's very interesting. It is. And it could be, you know, I mean sometimes it might be, you know, for for men, right? I can speak from the man side, right? There there might be men out there that might be very confident, right? They maybe they have a great job and uh they make a lot of money or something, but they're insecure about their penis size or they're insecure about something with their body. And I think this used to be, I, we talk about this a lot, Allison, right? We, we talk about how women for, I mean, I don't know how far it goes back, but a, a long time, right? Women have always had the stress of, of body, right? What does, what does the body image, um, what does my body look like? Because it's always been thrown into your face, right? The Barbie, the Barbie image, right? The, this perfect body, the, the, the perfect size boobs and, and the perfect size um, butt and, and all these different things that create this image and that's all you see in the media and it's getting better today, right? We're seeing um, advertisements like with like old Navy and, and different clothing commercials where they're using different sized women in their ads to show this is what real women look like, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that definitely is true that, that as a society, there's been a lot more of embracing of different body types other than just one. But if you think about, Okay, we're going off track a little bit. But if you think about pornography, right, and we are talking about, you and I just named two things that we believe men and women worry about. Women worry about their body. Men worry about their penis size. Okay, so watch porn. Those women have perfectly toned bodies, big fake boobs, right? Everything is falling in the right place. And those men have big penises. So when we're thinking about sex, we are unfortunately, comparing ourselves to porn stars. Right. right? And they're actors. They're actors, right? So Old Navy can put out as many ads as they want for plus-size denim shorts and embracing bikinis for all body types. But still, when it comes to sex, that's not what we see, right? Unless you go into the specific genres with, you know, you know, bigger women or something like that. So right, right. I think that's why in our heads it's just as humans, what, what we're doing. I do think though, um, and, and kind of where I was going a little bit with that, with the, with the old Navy commercials, right. Showing different body shapes of women and letting the world know, Hey, you know, you don't have to have this one body type, right. That's, that's a great message for people, but this has been, I think this is something that has, has, uh, become more prevalent for men in, the world of media, right? We see a lot more images now of men, right? With the six pack abs, right? All ripped or whatever. 
And so I think there's a lot of men out there that are kind of feeling some of those things that women have mm. been feeling for much longer. But I think to some degree now, it's not just a, a, a more woman-focused issue. It's now, I think both genders now suffer from this comparing your body to what you see in the media because we have a lot more image uh, imagery coming out of even the, the perfect male body, right? And so men are kind of, I think, feeling some of those stresses and pressures too of the body shaming. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, and I think it's interesting too, you, you referenced porn. I think too, I think we do see, we have seen a shift in porn. I think porn from maybe the 80s, I think every porn actress had fake boobs like you alluded to there, yeah. <laughs> right? Where they were just like ridiculously big, right? Like triple F and, and shit like this. And um, it just got ridiculous. But I do think that, yes, we, we look at porn and we see people with very toned bodies, right? The men have larger penises. and But I do think that we see a lot more women now not doing the fake boobs. We see a lot more porn actresses with smaller size boobs, right? And it's um, I think that's kind of good. Uh, in that sense, that it's not just about you got to have the double D's or the triple F's, yeah, right to be to be sexy or be sexual. Um, but nonetheless, you make a great point. If you go to watch porn, to and and this is obviously more aimed at younger people or maybe someone who's addicted to it. If you go to porn to gain sexual knowledge or or, or gain any kind of knowledge about you know interact interacting uh, sexually with someone, it's going to, it's going to lead you down the wrong path because it's still unrealistic, right? right? It's, it's still unrealistic. Right? Even, you know, folks who take real good care of themselves are very healthy, go to the gym, you know, are, you know, in good shape. It's just the, nobody's perfect. Everybody has something about their body that they're not in love with. And um, it just, it was just interesting to me because I made a comment about, women's body, you made a comment about penis size, and I instantly just thought of porn and how unrealistic it is. Well, it's true, and both of those things are very relatable to porn because, yeah. I mean, that's really what it's about, and that's really interesting. And I think the other thing that we can look at, too, you know, you, you can have the perfect body. You can go to the gym every day and have the perfect body, but a lot of people, and, and we're not, we're not going to generalize, right, and say that everyone, of course, because that's that's never true, but in my experience, a lot of people that are so focused on their own body should be more self-conscious about their personality because if it's like, okay, so you might look great, but you're a drip otherwise, right? right? You don't have much of a personality. Um, you're not very sexually interesting. You might just kind of be a, a really boring sexual partner because you kind of fall back on, well, I, I look so good, right? Yeah. This should be enough. Um, and so there's not much effort put in there. So interesting things like we go, like you said, we digress and we go off on different topics, but I think a lot of this stuff is really interesting on how we look at men and women and the different sexual fears. So let's jump to that. Uh, we're going to start with number 10 and work back to the most or the biggest fears that each gender has. But Allison, why don't you kick it off? What's the 10th biggest fear for women? So the 10th biggest fear for women is feeling that they are bad at sex. And I actually was thinking about when you were just saying how you can have a beautiful body and, you know, take good care of yourself. But if you don't have a strong personality or you're not, you know, sexually interesting, yeah, sex isn't going to be good. I mean, you, you could have a stunning figure, but if you're boring, you're boring, right? So it's you can't, that's something that is just 
um, a fact, you know, and also, sorry, you know, we do digress quite frequently, Mm -hmm. but when you were just sharing about saying that about, you know, being interesting or, or enthusiastic about sex or whatever, it's one of the things that I found the most interesting about the swinger sites is that there, sure, there was tons of people that were obsessed with the body. Like, you know, if you don't have A, B, and C, right, don't bother reaching out. But more often than not, you would see notes about, we're not models, we're not looking for models, but we're looking for a good attitude. Right. That's very true. Very so true. I think it's a fear that women, you, you can't tell someone what to be, what to have as a fear or not, but I think if people get so wrapped up in physical appearance that if you have a good attitude and you're interesting in sex and you like to try new things or you are, um, you know, really about pleasing your partner, that it does that do, the rest doesn't matter. Your, your body doesn't matter nearly as much as you think it does. That's so true. But I have to say that I am surprised that this is the 10th fear for women. Yeah. I, I would definitely think that that would be higher on the yeah. list because I think it's just common or natural for both men and women to have this fear of, I want to be good at sex, right? Yeah. No one wants to be bad at sex, right? There's, yeah, there's some people out there that are just assholes and they're just, they just, they don't care about their partner or the pleasure of their partner. And they're just very selfish and self-centered and all they care about is themselves. But I think as a general rule that, I don't know. I think most people do fear their, you know, yeah, and I don't even, competency in sex. And, and we'll probably get to this in some of the other, um, uh, the countdown as well, but I totally get that. Maybe not being bad at sex, but not being compatible like with your partner. Like think about the first time you have sex with someone. I mean, there's a certain level of awkwardness just because, you know, it's the first time. Right. First you, time, you don't know. You know, right? touching and, and getting into different positions and whatever with someone that is, you know, a new um, sexual partner. But there is kind of that thing of like, what if it doesn't go well? Like it's, I think that's kind right. of normal. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, the 10th biggest fear for men is that the whole environment, the whole atmosphere is going to be awkward following sex. Yeah, because so you want to leave. That, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. That was fun. Bye. Like, how do I get out? <laughs> um, You know what? I wonder if this is about, so we talked about this is about people who are in some type of relationship, right? So the first time, obviously, it's probably awkward before, during, and after sex. But I think there is some awkwardness. Like, some people like to be cuddled. Some people want to shower, right? Some people, <laughs> um, you know, there's different levels. And when you're new to a relationship or you have different thoughts about how you want to act after sex, right? Some people, you know, want different things. So I can, I can appreciate that that could be awkward. That makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. Um, it's not certainly one that we would um, not understand or relate to, right? I think there's always until you get really comfortable with your partner, there's always a certain amount of awkwardness that exists. Um, Like you said, you just don't know necessarily what to say or what to do following it. But what's number nine for women? Number nine for women is that they won't orgasm or be satisfied. Mm, That's interesting. So the first thing that they worry or the 10th thing they worry about is being bad at sex. But just before that, they worry about that they won't be satisfied. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. And I think, you know, women have a harder time with that typically than men do. So that makes sense. And it's interesting to me too, because we just talked about in one of the most recent shows, 
how it can be very difficult for women to orgasm, not because they can't, but because they have these mental hurdles that are preventing them. Yeah. Right. These mental blocks that won't allow them to orgasm for one reason or another, but it's, it's all stress related, stress induced orgasm blocking, if you will. <laughs> right. So it's funny that they, um, that they worry about that. And it's that fear right there that we're, that we were talking about that can prevent you from orgasm. Right. Right. It's kind of like this double-edged sword. You want to orgasm. You're afraid you won't. And then you won't because you're so worried about that. You won't that you put this block on yourself. Yeah. Like the, let yourself go. Men have men can have that, too, for, you know, their performance as well. Right. If they're con- nervous about it and then they think about it too much and then it makes it more stressful. And then it, it's on it's on both sides, really. But it's Caitlin V's got great shows about this, about how getting getting yeah. yourself to get there. Um but it's it's a normal thing. So people are not alone in feeling that way. Number nine for men is that their partner will think that they're inexperienced. So this goes right back really kind of to being it's tied into being bad at sex. So interesting, though, that yeah. they have this fear of being inexperienced. But you have to educate yourself. You have to care about your performance and figure some shit out. Right. You can't just go in blindly thinking that, you know, everything or assume anything. And it's good to know this is where getting to know your partner, right? And uh, like you said, that first time can be super awkward because you don't really know much about each other. You don't really know what each other likes or um, is into. So I think this is as you become more connected in your relationship, right? Everyone will tell you pretty much the sex gets better because you learn about each other more so and you learn about their bodies and what they like and how they like to be touched or licked or caressed or Right, like the first time or early on could be fun and exciting because it's new, but it can always get better when you learn more about each other. And you know, it's I'm curious. The unfortunately, we don't have the age group of the folks that were surveyed in this for these particular for this particular survey. So I'd be curious to know if that's something that is still on the minds of men that are a little bit older. Right, right. Well, because you probably I don't know. You tell me. You don't want to come off as inexperienced, but do you really want to come off as the most experienced guy out there either? Right. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know. I, I see where you're going with that. But yeah. Um, oh, I've done this before a hundred times and I've done yeah, this, this before a thousand times. The shit's old hat. Yeah. <laughs> you know? No, but I, I mean, I see where There's you're going nothing with that. I haven't done. <laughs> but I would rather be viewed as experienced than inexperienced because just because you're experienced doesn't mean that you've necessarily been with a lot of women. It could mean that you were just with women who knew a lot about sex, who were educated about sex. You learned a lot. And you learned from them too, right? You've learned different things that maybe you you saw in porn or someone told you along the way, this is how you're supposed to do it. This is how you're supposed to touch a woman. But the reality of it is that's that's not it at all. Yeah. You know, I think of, um, this is one that I think is interesting, is that I think it's very common Let's just say a man is going down on a woman, right? And you're okay. fingering her at the same time. Okay. It, is it more pleasurable if the man is putting his fingers in like so that his knuckles are facing the ceiling, right? So the fingers are going in and out like that. Mm-hmm. Or, and this is what I say you do, you turn <laughs> those fingers over so the knuckles are facing down towards the bed, mm-hmm. right? So that you can curl the fingers up mm-hmm. and work on the G spot. That is a much, but I think a lot of guys miss out on that, right? It's just like, oh, I'll just stick my fingers in like, and just slide them in and out. 
Like, because that's like it's a like, penis, just in, mm-hmm. out, in, out, in, out. Yeah. Right. And that can, as we've talked about, right, that same motion gets boring for a woman because the nerves start mm-hmm. to adjust to the sensation. Whereas if you turn those fingers over, right, and you're curl and you're doing the come hither motion, right? <laughs> Working the fingers towards the G spot and stuff, and and yes, you can still slide in and out, right? You can you can mix it up, you can go deeper, go shallower, do it faster, do it slower, whatever. But working those fingers and stuff, that's a much more pleasurable experience than just. Would you agree? Yeah. Um, so, what's your point with that? That if you have more experience, you've kind of tried different things, and you may. Right. You've you've kind of worked some of those things out where you know, like. If you didn't, if no one told you this or you didn't learn this in some way, right, this could make you look very inexperienced or not be as good of a partner in bed than you could be because you kind of are stuck in these ways of doing certain things, which isn't as pleasurable for your partner. Yeah. And you know what? That actually just brought me to something which you hit on about, you know, having more experience doesn't necessarily mean being with a lot more women. Um, which I was kind of joking about that before, but sort of not sort of joking about it. However, if you are with one woman and have a lot of, you know, different types of sex or various women and you try lots of different things, but you don't get feedback and you don't communicate with your partner, you may never know. You might be doing that finger knuckle up motion for years and no one tells you it's not effective. Right. You're not getting right. the like feedback. Yeah, of, it's like it feels good. It's it feels okay, good, right? but it's it's it, nothing great. It feels good, right? But we always talk about how important it is to communicate. It feels good either way, right? Let's just be honest, right? It doesn't feel bad. <laughs> right. So the woman may not even realize, oh, if you flip those fingers around, that would feel even better. But not everybody communicates during sex or after sex, right? About the experience and what was good and what was could have been better and that kind of thing. So to that point, you could be with a ton of different women, but if you're using the same move over and over and it's not that effective, then you might think you're super experienced, but you may come off as inexperienced because you don't really have the move down. Exactly. Exactly. That is so true. Okay. Number eight for women. That your partner won't orgasm or be satisfied. Wow. So this is so interesting. Women's are are really interesting. Women's are, women are tough. Yeah, they are. They're tough on themselves. They go back and forth, though. Yeah. Right? Once it's it's aimed at their partner, then it's aimed at them, then it's back to, and it's kind of like the same, the same fears, right? Just kind of going back and forth. So they worry that their partner won't orgasm or be satisfied. So they're really worried again about being bad at sex. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting because we don't know if this is these are heterosexual or homosexual couples, right? So because I'm thinking to myself, you know, you know, very easily how a man orgasms, right? So um, it's easier to to get there, but I can appreciate that for that, that your partner won't act orgasm or be satisfied. It's more of that, not that they won't at some point, but that they need to get there themselves instead of like you getting them there. That's kind of my thing. Like I always get so excited when I know it was my actions and motions and whatever that got you there versus you getting yourself there. Right. Right. So um, maybe that's more like that, but it's interesting. Women are crazy in their heads. They're always thinking too much. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> Number eight for men is the fear that their penis is too small. And we've already touched on this right throughout the show already, right? If you're watching porn and you're trying to compare yourself to a porn star, well, you might walk away feeling a little fearful that, you know, that's not going to be enough. And there's always been that question, right? Here's the thing. This is what I find interesting. There used to be a great show on, um, 
HBO called Real Sex, right? And they did all these different cool things just about sex and couples about sex. And then they would go out on the streets and they would ask people, you know, questions about sex and and different things and just kind of get people's responses of, of everyday people. But it's always kind of been, you know, it's not the size of your penis. It's how you use it. And I do think that there is a lot of validity to that. Yeah. But I think for years, women have come out and said, or or maybe it's just the way the uh, media outlet that was doing it wanted to kind of frame it, you know, for their show. But it's always it's always been size doesn't matter. But I feel like today, more and more women will say that there is there is something to size and it does matter. Granted, you still need to know how to use it to really maximize it, if you will. But there is something to both of those things, right? It's, it's how you use it and there is something to size. Yeah, I mean, there definitely is something to size, right? I wouldn't say it's everything. And I forget, I, I think we've done it before with the average size penises. Do you remember five and a half inches maybe? It's less than that. It's actually like five point, like it's either like 5.1 something or 5.2 something. Right. So yeah, that that just goes, that just shows everything you're seeing in porn or whatever is way out of whack with what's normal, right? Or what's average, I should say. But I think as we've shared earlier is that since toys, you know, sex toys have become a much bigger market and a little bit more socially acceptable. Like people are not like, oh, you know, you hide you hide your vibrator because you're single and alone, right? People are using them with couples. There's a lot of different companies, a lot of different products. I think because there's a, that addition in many people's, if not most people's sex life, that the penis being too small doesn't matter as much, right? Because right. you have all these other things that can also enhance the sexual experience, right? Right, you could put on an extender. Yeah, yeah, you could... Do a lot of things, but right, and, I mean, and I actually, you know, I'm, I I do know someone who's um, whose partner uses an extender, and it was kind of an interesting conversation how I learned it, but that's another story. But good for them, right? So right. at least you, you're doing something. You can't to change your, your body, right? You, there are certain things about your body you can't change, so it's you you do what you do to make the experience good for both of you. Right. It doesn't have to like we, we, we've been talking about a lot over the past few weeks. The penis is not the MVP of the bedroom, even though as men, we are taught to believe that. Right. All right. Let's go to the next one. Uh, what are we at? Number seven. Yep. Um, so number seven for women is and this is a good one that there may be some embarrassing body function during sex. Right. So like when you fart or something, something like that. <laughs> Um, well, that would probably be the most common or, one. There's right? nothing better, right, than when you're in doggy style and you let out a big queeb. Cheapers. Right, when you say you, you mean somebody that's one not those, me. One of those big pussy farts, <laughs> right? Is that what they call them? <laughs> well, I mean, it's, I don't even know. It's air. It's, it's air. air. It's just like friction. It's just a lot going on. But um, I can definitely appreciate You're not that. a big queefer. So. No. I don't think I've ever heard you. Okay. <laughs> I don't know, just interesting, interesting well, side but note. But there are sometimes like noises and sound effects that come from lube and other things that, you know, sound like a body function, but are really just part of the sex act. Um, but I can I can get that that's embarrassing for women. Um, apparently, it's not really that the men don't feel the same way about their body function and they just let it rip. But uh, <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about for men? Yeah. Number seven is uh, for men is being bad at sex. So 
I mean, we, you know, I, again, I feel like some of these things kind of go hand in hand. They're very uh, closely related. Right. So I think the, the one we talked about number nine for men, right. Your partner thinking that you're inexperienced kind of goes with being bad at sex. Cause I, I look at it for me anyway, that if you're look inexperienced, that means you're not the best lover. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think there's kind of like a, kind of a stigma that comes with, with saying something like that. But um, so being bad at sex is number seven for men. And again, this is, this is something I think we all fear. I'm actually surprised it's again, like that women that it's so far down on the mm-hmm. list. I would think this would be closer up to the, at least inside the top five, but um, it's not, but this just goes to show, like we were saying earlier that both genders have this fear of being bad at sex. And of course this was a survey of 2000 people, right? This isn't to say that everyone Right, thinks that bad at sex is number seven right, on the list. Right? right, it might be number two for you, but I guess the point here that we're trying to get to is that we're talking about fears that everyone has. Yeah, right. We're talking about thoughts that everyone has. Um, makes me think of going back to the one with women. Right, they're afraid that they're not going to orgasm. Okay, you, we know that these fears can exist, but we want to figure out a way to get over these fears so that you give your body and your mind the best chance to get the maximum enjoyment from sex. And you reach that orgasm. Yeah, I like what you said before. Like, just let it go. Let it go. Just it be go. in the moment. Let it go. What happens, happens. And and trust that, you know. Right. It, if you're communicating you know, with your partner the things that are working and not working, then you'll get there. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so for women, I'm going to. Um, Number six, right? Yeah, I'm going to put six and five together because I think they're pretty similar. So six is that your partner wants sex that you're not comfortable with. And number five is that your partner won't take no for an answer. So this is all, you know, Interesting. time for our famous word. We need to say it at least once every show, which is you need to communicate with your partner. Um, you fearing that your partner is going to want sex you're not comfortable with doesn't help. You should should set your boundaries and have those conversations prior. Right. You should have that should be a conversation ahead of time. Right? Yeah. And if you get in the heat of the moment and you get to, you know, um, to something that's pushing pushing your limits a little and you're not comfortable with it at that point in time, then you have the conversation. You know, you you communicate to your partner that that's not something I'm comfortable with. And, you know, fearing that your partner won't take no for an answer is just a lack of communication. Right. You can't you can't have that fear if you're not communicating with your partner. Right. And you and need- if the, and if that's more than a fear. If your partner won't take no for an answer, that's called assault. Right. That's that's not a that's, that's not a, a good whole, partner. That's a whole different show. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, that's called non-consent. Right. That's called non-consent, and uh, obviously we don't condone that. So if you have a partner like that, um, time to yeah cut that one out. Time to cut that out. That's that's not that's not good. But anyway, so just communicate with your partner. Always have a safe word. You know, unfortunately for me. Don't ask me why, but the word no comes out of my mouth a lot during yeah, that, sex. That really fucked me up when we first met. I know. It's it, it's a very confusing thing because it almost means yes. I'm not saying no to like, you know, well, doing something clear. that You're I'm comfortable with. You're not saying no, no means yes. No. You're just saying that you during sex sometimes will 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 utter the words no, no. but for you it it's actually it's, it's almost more thing. like don't stop. Yeah. It's almost like it's, a, it's no, always like no, don't stop. But the don't stop doesn't come out. And <laughs> when I first met her, I was like, what the fuck is happening here? Is this no? Or yeah, like, is this- it was really confusing. But it's weird because sometimes it'll even the word no will come out like after. It's just a, it's yeah. just a strange thing. I, I, I really should work on that. But anyway, I'm not saying at all that no means yes to 
the rest of the population. Um, it's just something strange that that I do. But overall, for six and five, for these two items on the fears list, I think, you know, if your partner is wanting something you're not comfortable with, you just need to have a conversation about that and maybe even find part of that boundary, part of that limit that you're willing to push a little bit and see if it's something that you might be interested in eventually. Right, right, absolutely. I'll do six and five for men now, okay. just so we get caught up together. Number six for men is that they won't be able to perform. And again, this this to me just goes right back to the one we just talked about, which is being bad at sex. But I guess well, maybe not being able to perform could be more tied into, uh, you know, I'm not going to be able to get an erection. Um, I'm not going to be able to... I don't know, whatever finish. it is. I think that's yeah, probably what that is finish. more. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I, I mean, I think there is some part of that that ties into being bad at sex uh, because if you can't perform, obviously that's not going to view you as a good lover again, right? Mm-hmm. That's just going to make you look, um, I guess, maybe incompetent or just bad in, but the, that's in the bedroom. One, that's one of the ones Caitlin V will tell you, just like women with their orgasms, men with their ability to get an erection and perform is so much in their head. Yeah, right? it, it is, is something so that is mental. very, very mental. It's not your physical body is completely capable of doing that, but your brain is the one that's shutting it down. Same thing with women. Women's their physical body is able to orgasm, but their brain is getting in the way. Right. Yeah. So I mean and and if you're not familiar with like, you know, E D medications, right? Erectile dysfunction medications, basically part of the problem with erectile dysfunction is as we get older there are like these, I don't know what you want to call them. I'm not a doctor, so I'm just I'm just going to say this. Like on the sides of the penis, there's like veins or, or channels for blood flow. Um, and as we get older, those can become, um, I, don't, I don't know what the word is, like thinner, I suppose, where the blood doesn't flow as well as it does when we're younger. And so the blood flow is what contributes to the erection. That's that's how the penis becomes engorged and becomes hard. And when we get older and then we lose some of that blood flow, then we can lose, we can have a, a lesser quality erection. And that's what can, this is what ED pills do, right? They help to increase that blood flow and kind of restore mm. um, that, you know, engorging portion, if you will, to the penis. And so we get better quality erections or what we have there. But a lot of ED problems are tied into mental issues. Yep. Yeah, it can be stress, it can be diet, it can be a lot of different things. So, you know, if that's happening to you, uh, unfortunately, if it's more of a blood flow issue, that's very fixable. But if it's a mental issue, that's much harder to overcome mm-hmm. because you got to deal with those mental issues. So you'd want to seriously, if you if you if you're having issues and it's really in your head, it's probably good to talk to somebody to kind of straighten that out and kind of regain some of your your confidence so that you can perform better. Number five, um, interesting, is that men fear that the, the their naked body, right, will, will not be accepted by their partner. Yeah. We just talked about this too, mm-hmm. right? So men are feeling these pressures more and more because we're seeing, like we talked about, just like women have faced for many, many, many years, the image of the perfect body. And, you know, you're not living up to that. And there's a lot of pressure now for men on these on these body images so they they worry about that their body won't be received well by their by their partner but i think women are far more accepting of imperfect bodies than men are as a general rule yeah i i would agree with that as well okay so 
interesting. Number four for women is what's number five for men, that your partner will find your naked body unattractive. I'm surprised that's not number one, to be honest. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. um, knowing women, women, knowing and, and, women, and that's not a knock to women, but that is something that most women fear a lot. Well, you think about it, right? So you know me, you've had other relationships, you have a sister, you know all my friends, we all talk about this stuff, and you're always saying, people are crazy. Like, what? Everyone, everyone is so obsessed with it. So it's it's a fear that um, is real. And even when your partner reassures you that it's not, that they don't find your naked body unattractive, it's still, you know, a thing. Yeah, absolutely. Number four for men is premature ejaculation. And hopefully you wa- you listened and watch it. <laughs> you listened to the show a couple weeks ago. Premature ejaculation. Come when you want. Go see Caitlin V. Caitlin V. Bomb.com. I have a link in that show right to Caitlin V where you can go to her videos and at the uh, somewhere in, in the, well, there is an actual video that I linked to that talks about coming when you want. But she has that whole program you can buy. Again, I think it's like $100. She's got 98% success rate. She's worked with over 7,000 men on premature ejaculation issues. And it can really help you. Again, a lot of this goes back to mental issues. Mm-hmm. A lot of premature ejaculation is a mental obstacle um, going on in your mind, whatever it may be, something you may have had a couple experiences where you got super excited and came a lot faster than you wanted to. And all of a sudden you start getting this little voice in your head like, you know, why am I coming so quick? And the pressure starts to build. And before you know it, you're you're you just control it anymore because you're so worried about it but obviously that's a big one right i mean but this is good though because i think people who are fearing premature ejaculation um also have i would think anyway more of a concern about making sure they're satisfying their partner right they want Mm -hmm. this to be a great experience for your partner but if you're in that situation where that happens pleasure your lover another way right right Um, give her oral doesn't have to be over finger yeah do something use Use toys Uh, do all these different things until you're ready to go again. Mm-hmm. It's not the end of the world. Don't roll over and shut her out and pout and, you know, have a temper tantrum. Uh, it can happen. It, it, I mean, it happens to everyone. You just get super excited sometimes or whatever, and things just happen faster than you want. But not the end of the world, but premature ejaculation is a big one. That's number four for men. Allison, what's number three for women? Number three for women is the same as number three for men. Mm, this is interesting. Is that the condom will break and there'd be an unintended pregnancy. This strikes me. I mean, it could certainly be in a long-term relationship, right? It could be a husband and wife or something like this that maybe they've already had two or three kids mm-hmm. and, you know, and like they're in the conversation or in the process of having the conversation of who's going to get fixed because we need to stop. <laughs> we need to stop having kids. And so maybe they're using condoms during their lovemaking, right? Because they don't want to have another child at this point in their life. Or even if they're early on in their marriage, right? Right. Maybe they're they're just trying to get more established, established. right? Mm -hmm. And uh, there's no perfect time for a baby, right? That's what you'll hear every parent say. This could also apply, obviously, to newer couples or... To casual flings. Casual uh, I think of that initially when Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of that. That's why I kind of jumped to... It could be a couple who already has children, just doesn't want more. Because of where they are in life. So that's a big one, though. I mean, yeah. you don't want unintended pregnancies, for sure. Yeah. And people are feeling the same, both men and women. It's a tie. They feel the same about that one. 
So number two for women, actually, is that your partner has a sexually transmitted infection. Yeah. Well, that's a big one. I mean, that should be a big one on the list. I mean, sexually transmitted diseases are are a serious thing. And if you don't take the proper precautions uh, against them, you could find you. I mean, that that puts a real damper on your sex life. It does indeed. Um, and I, I know, like a rash to turn somebody off. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I know I, I did a little bit of research on this not long ago. I stumbled upon it and I forget what I was searching that um, that I saw some information on this. But it's amazing how many people are infected with a sexually transmitted disease. Ones I mean, that like kind of like uh, kind of appear and then go into remission type thing. Yeah. But it's like, it's not obvious. Or they're treated, they're treatable. Right. And so it's, I mean, obviously HIV AIDS, some of those, um, right. Some of the, some of the some other of the, sexually the transmitted large ones, diseases, you know, you can, the major ones yeah. will stay with you for a long period of time, but, and there's really visual signs, right. Right. With some of these sexual, right. where of, other ones aren't necessarily they're more dormant, right? right. Like you don't notice. Yeah. But it was, I, I wish I had the numbers and I didn't really pay attention to this list much before we sat, we sat down to record this, but it's, Way more people than you would think. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, okay, it's not, you know, college kids that are getting drunk and hooking up around and doing, you know, not using protection, whatever. Just making it's bad decisions. Making bad decisions on, <laughs> on the regular. Um, it's other, it's it's people that are more established in their life that, you know, take a chance or um, just are a little bit less careful here or there. And the numbers were much higher than I would have imagined. We, yeah. Maybe we'll look into that further for another show of, because it's not like I said, it's not what you would think. It's some regular Joes also just make a bad decision here and there. Right. I mean, it, it's the, the the craziness of life, right, is that you can have per, protected sex. Maybe you're maybe you're a single man or woman and you have protect, protected sex all the time. Right. But you're, you're not in a serious relationship. You're having more casual type sex. But it's that one time. Right. That what, whatever the case may be, whatever happens that you, you like you don't use that condom. Mm-hmm. And it's Murphy's freaking law. Yeah. Right. That's going to be the time that you can track something. Right. It's just it's unbelievable. You could have sex a thousand times and you you, you don't have sex with protected sex one time. Right. And now you're infected. And, you know, there's a famous TikToker. Don't shame me. Jeff's not a fan of the TikTok app that has that's living with HIV who contracted it from her husband <laughs> who. Yeah. And my understanding was, if I remember correctly, who had been unfaithful, but a long time before he even realized that he was infected. I mean, it was years. So um, how did he, do you, do you, like, do you remember that? Do you remember the details? Did he, how did he contract it? He can, he contracted it through unprotected sex. Um, but years, With a woman or a man? That I don't recall. I feel like it was a woman. Okay. I don't recall specifically. But good question, because I know that that's, we've seen scenarios where that has happened, where the man yeah. unfortunately is closeted and is having a second life because he's not comfortable coming out yet. And there's, you know, that's something that he then brings to his marriage. But right. she was, you know, living with HIV and relatively healthy on a bunch of medications, but always felt like the shame of, you know, having HIV because of what people would think about what she did. Right. And she did absolutely nothing that would have led her to contract a sexually transmitted disease other than have sex with her husband. So um, it's right. Cause there it is can happen to anyone is, is just the point. Do you, do you think it's fair to say that if someone says they have a sexual, a sexually transmitted infection or disease 
that they're automatically assumed to be promiscuous. Of course. Right? There's yeah. like this stigma with that, right? And, and again, this careless. is another societal mm-hmm. thing of course. that's just bullshit. Mm-hmm. Because you can have this woman who maybe married her high school sweetheart, maybe the only person she's ever had sex with, yeah. and he was unfaithful and then gave her this disease. It's re- It really is sad. That really yeah. is truly sad. You know, first of all, that she contracted this disease and her husband was unfaithful. So, you know, it's hard enough to get over infidelity as it is, but can you imagine... Now you have to live mm-hmm. with a disease because right. of it, yep. right? Talk about your constant reminder. Holy yeah. hell. Number two for men is that your partner won't orgasm or be satisfied. Oh, that, that makes sense to me. I'm impressed that's that high on the list for men. <laughs> I thought they'd be number you. 10. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they'd be number 11. No, just kidding. Um, oh, that's you didn't, you didn't orgasm? Oh, sorry to hear that. Okay, not me, Joking, but just in general. Um, no, I actually think that's great. I think I that's too. great, you know, that that's um, as much on their mind as it is. I don't think men have that reputation. I think that the reputation is often that they're. I have something for you. Okay. That you probably don't know. Oh. Yeah. I don't think I've ever shared this with you, which is kind of interesting. This should be fun. Yeah. This is this is breaking news even to Allison. Yeah. Right my goodness. Anytime that we have sex, that is always a major thought in my mind. Is like that I want you, your satisfaction, basically. Did you know that? I did not know that, but thank you. Like, so I understand why that, like, it's not, it's not, so you might not, you might not personify that, right? So it's not like what you're saying and screaming from the rooftops, but it's actually what you're feeling. Right. But inside it's, 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 I wouldn't say, I wouldn't classify it as a fear, but it's like a, um, I don't know what you would call it. I don't a know. Thought, right? A thought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a thought that is always in my head though. Whenever we're having sex, like I, you know, cause I want you to feel good. Right. I mean, I want you to feel pleasured and feel satisfied. And so that thought is always there, but yeah, I've never, it's funny. Cause it's like, we talk all the time about so about many everything. things. Everything. Yeah. This is an interesting thing that just came up. Like I just kind of hit me and I thought, well, I'll share this live. I like the way you said breaking news. I was breaking like, Ooh, news. what's happening? Breaking news. <laughs> Scandal. <laughs> Scandal. Um, well, good. So that's it's great. I think it's great that that it's not that men have a fear of that, but that. But there's a concern about your partner. Their partner's satisfaction, satisfaction is yeah. so high up. That's great. Yeah, because we got We need to be both genders need to be concerned about how satisfied their partner is. Right. I that's mean, how you have the best sex. Right. right that's, because you're both. Those are, Good, good things. You're both pushing to satisfy your partner. So, okay. So number one for women, very similar to what we've shared in a couple of the other ones is that the partner won't use a condom. Um, this is an interesting one. To it's me. interesting the way it's worded, right? It's so, interesting to me because it's like, well, you won't use one, but go ahead. Have your, right. have your way. So I think maybe that's why number two was the S, the sexually transmitted infection is because they go hand in they hand. They go hand in hand. Absolutely. Right. So, um, and then the third one was an un- unintended pregnancy. So I think those things, obviously, no matter what, I mean, if no one wants an unintended pregnancy, no one wants a be an unplanned baby if you're not ready for it or whatever. But there is a lot more burden on the woman, right? And like, let's just be honest, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, she's the one that has to carry it. And it's very easy for, and let's face it, I mean, it's been done a lot of times. Men get women pregnant all the time and just walk away. Yeah. Wash their hands of it. Right. And the woman is left to depending on how she feels about 
her body and about her situation and about life in general. There's lots of things that play into this decision of whether or not she should terminate it or not, right? So that can be a big struggle for women, and they have to face that alone, yeah, right? All those decisions alone if the if the man is going to just kind of wash his hands and, and walk away from her and say, oh, well, tough shit, you know? You awesome. wanted to do this too. Right? A lot of guys can be jerks like that. Yeah. Let's let's be honest, right? And even if it's a, a relationship that you stay in, it's it can put a lot of strain on the relationship. So that's that's yeah. a very valid fear. But I mean, if your partner won't use a condom, then I would say don't have sex. Right? I mean, if that's your number one fear mm-hmm. and they're absolutely refusing to do it, then say, Well, I don't know what to tell you, but you know, I'm not taking the chance of an STI or a pregnancy or whatever other fears you might have, just don't do it. Not happening. Number one for men is that their partner has an STI. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting because that was number two for women and number one for men. So really interesting that we have a couple of similarities between the two genders as we go through this list. I mean, really, I think we had a pretty comparable list. It was just where they rated one through 10. And some of them were pretty close um, on the, on the scale, if you will. There's a lot of similarities. But it's interesting that number one for women is that they're fearing the guy won't wear a condom. And number one for men is that they're fearing that their partner will have an STI. So if that's your number one fear, wrap it up. Right? True. Think about that. Right? But again, just because it's someone's fear doesn't mean it's a reality at all. Right? So that might be their fear that their partner is not going to want to use a condom. But their partner is more than willing to use a condom because they don't want to, you know, catch any disease or have an unintended pregnancy. So your fears aren't necessarily always your reality. Right. But interesting stuff. Um, The interesting thing to me with all this STI and condom is topics uh, being so close to the top is that there's so many other versions of birth control. So um, and also such availability to being tested for sexually transmitted diseases. It's not like in the past where you'd be shamed if you had to go get a test. Right. It's there's a lot of availability for the tests and there's a lot of availability for birth control. So interesting that those are so high on the top. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. I just wanted to touch on a couple side notes that came from the survey. These are more embarrassing sexual fears. Some of these are what we just talked about in the top 10 list, basically. Mm. But embarrassing bodily functions during sex. This was, we kind of joked about that, right? Are you you farting or queeving, you know, queefing, queefing, (laughs) having a queeve? Is queeve the the plural? I think queefing. I don't know what it is. I think queeve is a single and queefing is multiple. I don't know. know. What do I know? And queefing. Is it a noun and a verb? Confusing. I think it can be. (laughs) Um, But embarrassing bodily functions. Five out of 10 women worry about this, while three and a half men, this is out of 10. So five out of 10 women, three and a half men out of 10 worry about bodily functions. Hmm. So clearly men are a lot more comfortable with farting during sex Hmm. than a woman may be. What other bodily function is there? That they'd be oh. fearing. It's it's mostly gas. Like you, I'm thinking. I I think the mostly fart and the queef are yeah. are really where it's at. Unless you're talking about like a sneeze and get boogers all over you or something. I don't know. Yeah. Like I or mean, you know what? Some women are afraid to squirt and stuff like that. They're oh, afraid of their body's that's a good reaction. One. That's yeah. a great point. A lot of yeah, a lot of women are afraid to squirt yeah. like because they feel like it's embarrassing, right? To yeah, squirt I get juice it. everywhere. Yeah, yep. It's the hottest freaking thing in the world. I don't <laughs> don't be afraid of that. Number two, your partner will find that you're too kinky or rough. Two and a half women out of 10 worry about that, while three out of 10 men worry about that. 
oh, I'm surprised it's not a little bit more of a disparity. Like, because you would just think in your mind that men are kind of a little bit more out there and want to try new things and um, maybe even because they're, you know, stronger and aggressive might be more rough. But I think the same. if I was to look at this survey, right, I mm-hmm. would think that that men would be super low on that because I feel like as a man, there's something about that you're supposed to be like, right, do the little man handling. Yeah. Right. Maybe it's a little bit more. Right, so acceptable not afraid of it. Yeah. Right. So you're not afraid of it. So I would picture them to be lower. And yet I would picture women to be higher because I would think that if they're viewed as kinky or rough, they might be slut shamed a little bit. Yeah, they'd be embarrassed. Yeah. Right. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. whoa, wait a minute. You know, where'd you yeah. get so kinky and rough? You know, yeah. <laughs> like, how did you learn this this stuff? Right. Um, so that's interesting to me. Number three, partners turned off by your sexual noises, the way you moan and groan and whatever yeah. you do. What are the numbers? So Women, uh, 3.3 out of 10, and men are 2.5 out of 10. Hmm. So both, I feel like, are pretty low. I would expect women to be much higher yeah. than that because I feel like women would be a lot more self-conscious about I'm their super noises. self-conscious about that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it doesn't stop me from making no. random noises. And I love your noises, like, so you know that. Okay, good. But Because um, yeah. it, it can be much too much for some people, right? But I don't know if it's ever really too much or people just are afraid it is, right? I don't like I don't even know really what what like what noises I make or what I sound like. Do yeah. I make a lot? You make some. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I wouldn't be self-conscious about them at all cuz they're delicious. Delicious. <laughs> Number 4, you will say the wrong name during sex. Um two and a half out of 10 women fear this and two and a half men. Interesting. As well. So pretty much the same here. These surveys are pretty interesting, right? I mean, they're they're very interesting to talk about when when we're talking about sex and how each gender feels, you know, fears, what they fear and how they feel about different things. But, you know, whether it's a casual partner or romantic partner, right? We always we're gonna be get this is where we get preachy, right? But it's good it's good to just remind us, uh, keep this in our in, in the forefront forefront of our of our minds right there's a few things we got to keep in mind right all partners should should feel empowered to say no or halt any sexual activity at any time and not feel pressured to have sex without condoms not feel pressured to engage in sexual acts that they have no comfort uh being involved in mm-hmm. right all of these things feel empowered you're empowered say no be firm about it you know it it's that's completely fine. Talk about it with your partner and, you know, either say, okay, this is something we can try. You know, like I, I'm giving consent and desire to do this or maybe modify it to some degree as to something that you do feel comfortable doing. If you don't feel like doing the entire uh, sexual act or experience that they want you to participate in. Right. Um, never coerce your partner to do anything they are not comfortable doing. Um, so adhere to their boundaries. And so we're kind of looking at this from the flip side now, right? If you don't feel comfortable doing something, you say no. But on the flip side, if your partner's saying no, don't force them to do shit that they don't want to do, right? If they're, I mean, it's not going to be an enjoyable experience for anyone. And your partner is really going to be hesitant and reluctant. And that's really not what exploring fantasies together and, and good sex is about. That's that's just odd. No, and that that it will deteriorate your relationship. You just need you, right. it's not going to be good for your relationship at all. 
And if there's a lot of things that you want to do sexually that your partner doesn't want to do, maybe maybe you're just not compatible. Yeah, right? you're not compatible. You, you mentioned that word earlier, Allison, and um, that's a big thing with sex, right? It's very important that you're compatible sexually because mm-hmm. sex is a big aspect of a relationship. And if you're not compatible sexually, I can guarantee that maybe you have these fantasies in your mind and, and they're not being fulfilled and they're always going to haunt you there. Mm-hmm. Right. If you can't do something about it. Right. And as we know, right, you might have this fantasy and the fact that like your partner's not into it or can't do it might make you want it more. Right. Right. And so that can become a real burden for you um, in your life. Really cause a lot to communicate. of. Yeah. Really create mm-hmm. a lot of problems. Um, use contraception to ensure safe sexual practices. We want to avoid those unwanted pregnancies, STIs. Use them. as We always talk about when doing anal. So that if you want to go from the butthole to the vagina, you can just rip off that condom and go to it without any kind of poopy swap. <laughs> no is, that cross- like a, is that like a Christmas swap? Yeah. <laughs> Secret <laughs> Santa. No, yeah. no cross-contamination there. Yeah. We, we definitely don't want cross-contamination. And respect and communication, as always, with any relationship is essential. So not too difficult. A lot of common sense stuff. But hopefully... You learned a lot about the different sexual fears that men and women have and how they are shared and how we all have them and figure out a way for you to get past them so you don't have these mental problems preventing you from having the best sex of your life and orgasming and and all these different things. Allison, anything you want to add? No, I just think it's, I think these type of shows are really important because um, it just shows that everyone has these fears, right? This is not, you're not alone when you're, you know, self-conscious about one thing or another and you can overcome them. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's nothing that you can't overcome. Just takes a little mind over matter sometimes, right? All right. Hey, thanks for stopping by and spending your time with us. You know, we appreciate it very much. And uh, join the Facebook group, get your book for communication over at Amazon, those seven principles for making your marriage or any relationship work and go over to Pink Cherry, get some stuff to uh, begin the exploration process with your partner Have a lot of fun doing so. Live out some of those fantasies. And we will see everyone in the next show. But until then, be kind and be safe.